0: Welcome to the I Believe Podcast, an Cure Insight production, brought to you by CASEL Biosciences. I'm your host, Danae Peterson, a fellow ocular melanoma survivor. Here on the podcast, we'll be sharing information and insights on treatments, research, and living with ocular melanoma.
1: CASEL Biosciences tests are designed to provide clinicians precise and personalized tumor information for the benefit of patient care. If you would like more information about how CASEL is transforming the treatment of eye cancer, visit castletestinfo.com
0: Welcome to the Eye on Mental Health Seminar. And I just want to run through and thank our sponsors. Our sponsors are what make this event possible. They are our sponsors from the 2023 event, who helped to make sure that we could show up for a hybrid event, but thank you to Castle Biosciences and also our other high-level sponsors, Immunocore, IDEA, and Aura, as well as Tricellus Life Sciences and DelCath. Just so that you know, this will be recorded and it will be available on the podcast. So make sure to subscribe on the podcast in whatever platform you are listening to. You're going to search the I Believe podcast to locate us and you will be able to subscribe. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel if you would prefer to be able to watch these kinds of seminars or the recordings of the podcast episodes that I do, and we would be more than happy to have you subscribe on our YouTube channel. Subscriptions, subscribing itself, it actually helps a lot. So even if you don't plan to watch every single release we send out the minute you see it, please subscribe because it does help make sure that we can get content out to those who need it. All right, I will come back to this, uh, but We are gonna be on Capitol Hill. So if you're interested at all in this, then please email contact at acureinsight.org and you can get more details about joining us on Capitol Hill for rare disease week on February 27th. And this is just a special note to join the registry. Please join the registry. The registry is going to help with improving research and improving outcomes of patients. You're providing your medical history, and we would love to have you join. You can go to insight.imrare.org and that will get you into the registry. And I'm going to bring on our speaker. So, Eve, thank you so much for your patience. Thank you for being here. Uh, for those of you who did not hear my initial introduction of Eve, she is also a patient. And everyone in this in this seminar who is going to be presenting this year uh, for Ion on Mental Health is a patient as well as a medically trained or clinically trained therapist, psychologist. Um, they are wonderful people. And we are so grateful for their willingness to be here as well as share their experiences as patients. So Eve, thank you so much for being here and sharing your expertise.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy that, uh, that, that you have organized this because I think mental health is one of the biggest places that we, we need in uh, dealing with an ocular melanoma or a metastatic uveal melanoma diagnosis. Um, for me, um, having metastasized last fall, it is absolutely a psychological game because anybody looking at me um, would never know that I have stage four cancer. Um, and um, when people see me, they're like, wow, you look so good. Cause I think they expect that I'm gonna not have hair and have more yellowed skin and all of that. And um, uh, and, and yet in facing this kind of cancer, which is so aggressive and so rare, and we know so mm-hmm. little about it, um, why some of us met, why some of us met in the lung and not the liver, you know, why some of us met six months after Receiving the diagnosis versus 15 years after receiving the diagnosis, why some of us have survived Mets for 19 years and some of us for six months? We don't know most of the uh, answers to these questions. So, for me, as a, as a, as a, as someone who has been dedicated to helping other people heal in their life, uh, when I received this diagnosis, I. Um, I, 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 I did what I know how to do, which is I gathered my people and I started researching and I started looking for stories of other people who had survived, um, things they shouldn't have survived. And I happened upon, uh, Anita Morjani's book, dying to be me. And, um, I'm sort of Going past some of my other slides just for time's sake. But um, uh, I would drive, I started, so I so I was diagnosed in 2013. I was enucleated in 2017, and I met in 2022. And I've been I've been in a, a clinical trial at Columbia, the IDEA trial who's one of our sponsors. Yay. Um, and recently was kicked out of the trial because of progression. Um, and when I was first diagnosed with OM in 2013, of course I researched it all. My parents were both research scientists. So I did all my research and tried to figure stuff out. And I went to the OM conference in Philadelphia that year in 2013. And Uh, I, you know, I started making changes to make my body as healthy as it could be um, to prevent METS if, if, you know, I had any control over that. And I made lots of different changes over the nine and a half years that I had not yet METS. But during that time, I would tap in and tap out of the uh support the Facebook support group pages and you know when my tolerance for seeing oh this person died and that person died or that person met or when my tolerance would wane I would not look at the Facebook groups and when I needed to connect and get information or talk with people I would get on the Facebook groups and ask questions or vent or say how I'm feeling and people were always supportive, and it made a huge difference. But when I met in a year ago, it became really clear that it's a psychological game. It's a game of surfing hope and fear. And I took everything that I knew from my work as a therapist and the way that I've lived my life in general, which is pretty out loud, um, and I... I started to do lots of things to help myself make meaning of why did I get this cancer? When we can make meaning of it, we remove ourselves. We take ourselves out of the role of victim. Oh, this cancer happened to me. Oh, this is awful. Oh, my life is over. And when we make meaning and we decide what our story is, why this cancer, why this particular cancer, why this time of our life that allows us to have a sense of agency over it. So we're not a victim to it. It's just another part of our whole life story. And for me, I, 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 I had memes that I liked that resonated for me at the time and I put them on screensavers on my phone. And interestingly enough, at this very moment, oops. well oh, it went away. But it's a screensaver that says, it's time to write a new story. And so for me, when I, um, when I met, it reminded me of the 1980s when I was a a young um, theater student, you know, gay activist in New York City. And it was during the AIDS crisis and people were dying left and right. And it was too much, it was, it was, overwhelming especially to the gay and lesbian community to have so many people dying left and right and we lost so many people um at that time that when I got involved with OM I realized oh my gosh it's it's really similar because people are dying like one to two people a week on the Facebook groups whenever I checked in and I remember there was a therapist in New Hampshire by the name of Connie Robillard who was a who was a, a a client, um, an OMR, and she and I connected because she was a therapist. And two weeks after we connected, she died, and I was like, "Oh my God, that was way too fast!" Like, like I was very frightened. And I carried this fear of like, once you start to mess, you're gonna go quick. Um, of course, that that's my awareness of that has changed. Um, considerably now that I'm still alive a year later, um, and and now that I've met other people who um, have survived Mets for many, many years, and, um, and so I had to change my story from, oh my god, I'm going to die, like really soon, to, hmm, no, I'm going to surf, I'm going to surf, like Clay Butler, who made the wonderful video about, you know, what happens psychologically when you metastasize um but I've got to learn how to surf moments of hope and moments of fear and I've got to sort of embody this like mellow surfer dude (laughs) which is not my personality this mellow surfer dude self that is not too phased by any bad news but keeps it in the larger perspective of, okay, one step at a time. And it's very hard to do when you're facing a deadly cancer. It's extremely hard to do. Um, And yet I could either do that or I could sink into depression or anxiety or um, dysfunction and and be frozen in it. And um, what I've learned over time is that one has to, Feel all the feelings, feel the bad ones, the hopeless ones, the ugly ones, the difficult ones, the angry ones, the, um, uh, the self-blaming ones, and, and also feel all the joy and the love and the gratitude and the um, generosity of how people show up in our lives. So surfing all of these feelings and surfing the good news and the bad news with whatever treatments you're pursuing The meaning for me became, after years of service to others, the meaning became, I got to heal myself. I got to focus on me. I got to figure out what message I'm not getting that I got to get. I got to figure out what I want to do before I die. I got to prioritize myself. I got to... And it became this whole study in, um, spirit has allowed me to stay here to, to date. So what is my purpose? And deep down, I felt I had a much larger purpose than what I had already accomplished in my life, which was, you know, it's not chopped liver, it's pretty decent. Um, and And it became really clear to me that For me, it was about writing a new story. It was about taking all the healing skills that I have so heartfully given in service to so many people in my life and turn those skills towards myself. And what I want to say is that, you know, nobody can tell you what you're, your cancer story is. Nobody can tell you the meaning of, of your cancer or why you got it. And it is a hundred percent valid to have the meaning be, I got this really, I was unlucky. I got this really bad cancer and it sucks. And I'm just going to live my life. If that's the meaning you make of it and it resonates for you and it works for you, go for it. If the meaning is, oh my gosh, I'm figuring out my self-worth for the first time in my life, this is amazing, go for it. If the meaning is, oh, I've helped everybody else my whole life and now I'm gonna help myself, go for it. That the meaning that you make of it is yours and yours alone and only yours to decide. Um, And and the meaning that you make of it is meant to help you cope. It's to help you tolerate the ups and downs and, and, you know, you can get as deep and as woo-woo as you want about it. You know, some people are like, I must have been a really bad person in a past life to have this cancer in this life. Whatever works for you. Um, the importance is that whatever frame you have, whatever way you've written this story about why this cancer, why now, and what you're gonna do with the, with the remainder of your life, that is uniquely yours to figure out. No, And don't let anybody tell you, oh, you know, God gave you this cancer because of blah, 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 blah. No, it's for you to decide in the quiet of your own heart, in the quiet of your own belly, in the quiet of your own prayer for you to decide. Um, there's a couple other things that I wanted to say. So let me just look at my slides just to see if I'm getting everything. Um, so for me, for me, you know, cancer is the great distiller, right? It It's like, it allows me to be acutely aware of my mortality. It allows me to, to, to be aware, like, I don't, I don't know how much time I have left on the planet, but I am going to use my time in a valuable way that, that lifts me up and, um, when you don't have a uh a, a cancer like ocular melanoma you're also you don't know when you're gonna die, but the difference is that being a mummy being an omi allows you to be acutely aware of it and um And, and ultimately for me, it was a gift. So when I was going back and forth to New York, I was listening to lots of audiobooks and memoirs. And I get really lifted up hearing other people's story and how they make sense of their lives. And I listened to Anita Morjani's book, Dying to Be Me. And it's a book all about how out of nowhere, she was in like stage four end of life cancer in India. And, uh, she, she was in the hospital and the doctors were giving her the look of like, I'm so sorry, you're about to die. And she had this experience where she saw her father and, um, met with soul friends. It was an out of body experience. And she got a really clear moment where she was given a choice to decide if she was going to die or if she was going to, uh, stay in her body and live her purpose. And um, she did a lovely job writing this book. And in fact, part of why she didn't die is because she had to write this book because the planet needed this book. And the book was all about how how she, her, her near-death experience of stage four cancer and how she turned the car around and made meaning of her cancer And the meaning was the importance of living the life that you, that lifts you higher, living a life that has integrity, according to your own sense of, um, care for the self and care for those things and people that you value. Um, let me just check out another couple of slides. It's been a while since i talked to anybody in this kind of, uh, format. So forgive my, um, non-smoothness, but it's real. So um, let me just see. So for me, I got really clear. Are we okay with time? You're good. Okay. I was just going to tell you, you're doing a great
0: job, especially okay. considering all of the hiccups <laughs> that we've had to deal with this morning. You're doing a wonderful job. So thank you for being oh, here and sharing your insights. I have notes and I love them. Oh,
1: wonderful. Good, good, good. So um so cancer is the great distiller if we can see if we can see our experience around cancer as a healing journey not a destination like i'm gonna die or um i gotta do everything on my bucket list before i die but as a as a journey like oh and now i'm feeling this and oh and now i'm feeling that and oh now i'm feeling that and oh my god this is amazing i'm feeling this Um, if we can see it as a journey, which, which really that's all life is life is a journey. It's about having feelings and thoughts and behaviors and people and connections and all these wonderful things. And that's no different once you're diagnosed. It just is a little more intense. Um, I know, I know Allie's going to talk about, uh, the different kinds of therapy and, um, Katie is going to talk about, I think, radical acceptance and uh, the the positivity of the stress of a diagnosis and how to do good things in life. So I'm going to not cover that. Um, uh, but it, yeah, so I mean, every, all of us know that with each new scan or each new doctor visit, uh, it can throw a monkey wrench. Uh, or a monkey into the wrench or a wrench into the monkey. What is that saying? Um, and and there can be scansiety and there can be, um, you know, periods of denial, thank goodness, um, that happen because uh, it's hard to maintain this this, the intensity of, I have a deadly cancer. I don't know when I'm going to die. I don't know when I'm going to start feeling sick. It's growing all over my body. I can feel, I'm, I'm in the official whack-a-ball stage, but I don't look sick, you know? I'm still my vibrant Eve personality. Um, so it's a lot to manage your own sense of self, other people's sense of you and comments about it, yay or nay. Um, and other people's fears and projections of you. It's a psychological game, absolutely. And I'm so glad that this, um, this, this, I don't know what we call it, this amazing event today is happening because um, we do know from the research that when we focus on the good and we focus on gratitude, we experience more good. And there's lots of spiritual texts that's, that explain why that is, but when they proved it by science, um you know it, it led a certain credibility to it. Humans like humans are very connected to being human on this planet. But um uh, it is true that if we can be positive that that's better. Why is it better? Because it feels better. <laughs> It's true. If we can't have gratitude, it's better because it feels better. It feels better than being riddled with anxiety or riddled with dread. Um, And there are times that we can't make that choice because it's too much or, uh, you know, too scary. And that's okay. Making it a healing journey means I know these times are going to come where I am frozen in fear, or I am um, anxious about scans. And I also know the time will come where I have the information from the scan and then I make a plan with my doc and you know, I read a book and I make sense of it or I meet with my, my um, support group online. And, and that this flowing, this surfing, this journey um, allows us to be in the moment. So if we take the narrative that we build about why did I get this cancer? What is the meaning of it in my life? Why now? And then we take that framework and bring our present attention to that framework, getting cancer and getting this particular deadly cancer, sit down and buckle up because I'm gonna say something crazy. It is a gift. It is an absolute gift. My life has been so rich and so full of so much love and so many things to be grateful for since metastasizing. And yes, there are the details of getting your ducks in a row and making sure all your legal papers are set and all the, you know, I have a child, so making sure you know, the plan for her is settled and making sure I'm not leaving a bunch of messes in my house, making sure all my taxes are done so I'm not leaving a mess for anybody. Once that stuff is sort of done and you can sit in your own heart and your own belly and your own body with your own spirit and make sense of the story, that is the moment where you become not a victim to this cancer, but you become, I became like fully without a doubt, Eve Naomi (laughs) Bogdano because there's nothing, I'm not gonna waste a single minute on anything that doesn't absolutely lift me all the way up. And yes, it's given me an opportunity to do healing work that I resisted because it was too hard, and it's not like you heal and you're done. It's it's a lifelong process. You know, we all have stuff to heal from. We're learning more and more uh, about all kinds of traumas. the The general. Gestalt people are learning so much about trauma because of all the good thinkers out there about what trauma is. Um, Trauma is anything that's too much too soon or too fast. Thanks to Resmaa Menachem who who talks a lot about what trauma is and how it affects the body. Um, Let me just see my notes and see if there's anything else I really wanna say. I don't know where our time is here. Um, how are we doing with time?
0: I'm going to say we have five minutes. Okay, great. Um, and this has been wonderful by the way. And we do have one question in the chat. If you uh, are willing to answer that after you check your notes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, so yes, what is this, the question? This
0: is from someone who's asking, can you feel all the joys and pains on antidepressants?
1: Um. Uh, well, you know, I know that there are some thoughts out there that antidepressants sort of mute the affect or you sort of have like a ceiling. Um, and I think it's different for every person. Um, and I also think that... Um, for a lot of people, antidepressants save their life. <laughs> um, a, a colleague of mine said long ago um, that, you know, medication is to help you with your symptoms, but therapy is there to help you with your issues. And so, you know, if you're having trouble feeling all the highs and lows on the medication that you're on, um, sometimes the solution is to try a different medication or go off your medication. But more times the solution is to find a different therapist, to find a better match, to find a different kind of therapy that speaks more to your story and your personality. I know Allie's going to talk about the different kind of therapies that are out there. Um, and, and so I, you know, I'm not going to be somebody who's going to say, absolutely. This is the answer 100% for everybody. Cause it's so individualized. Um, but I, I can say I've been on antidepressants much of my life for, for the, uh, for reasons that I came by quite honestly. And, um, it has not stopped me from feeling everything. <laughs> um, so as, as so I will just say that, um, uh, yeah, but you could talk to your provider more about you know if you feel blunted, uh, and and you're not you know if you if you feel like you can't feel your feelings fully, you know that's there can be solutions for that.
0: Well, and it, like you said, it's it's an open dialogue. Um, any time that I have been on an antidepressant or that I have family members oops who have been on one, um, it's it's very much an open dialogue between you and a psychologist or a psychiatrist who is prescribing medication or. Um, you and your therapist as you're reporting symptoms, things like that. So like, I mean, obviously not a therapist, just speaking from personal experience, but it is very much an open dialogue. And the more that you can communicate about that. Uh, and if you find that you cannot communicate about that, it sounds like what Eve is saying is you probably need to find a different person to work with so that you can communicate more
1: effectively. It's all about the match, you know. I can be a really excellent therapist for some people, but for other people, you know, they they don't like the maybe casual way I can speak or the colloquial way I can speak sometimes. Um, and 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 that means I'm not the best therapist for them, right? So it's okay. It's all about match. Yeah, that was such a
0: good point. Well, I loved what you said, um, and I I feel like. We've kind of covered like a lot of different things as you've spoken, but I loved what you said at the beginning. You said, but this, this diagnosis journey becomes something of like riding the waves of the hope and the fear. And, um, I think we're going to see in, in some of the later presentations, you're going to see how those waves kind of are mirrored in so many different areas. Um, we experience the waves, the ups and downs, right? The ups and downs of the hope and the, the belief in the future, but also, the, the really low lows or the really fast fall to the low. Um, and I think that, I think that it's just such a good visual to imagine that. And I also just, I also just know that for many of us in the, in the online community, at least we know, we know someone who loved to surf who we lost last year. So that just, mm-hmm. that just made me think of clay. Um, mm-hmm. and I think that he would, he would have also loved the way that you phrased that. Well, um, I
1: got, I got it from him. Cause I had to embody like you know, he was like, in my head, he was like this mellow surfer dude. <laughs> yes. And I was like, the only way to handle this is to be like, okay, now we're on a swell. Now we're on a low. Yeah. Now we're, like, I'm just going to you know, follow. So, yeah, yeah. Well, this has been wonderful. Eve, did you have anything as
0: you're looking through your notes that you want to uh, finish and, and to end with?
1: Um, That's a good question. I'm, it's always hard for me to pick and choose because I have so many things I want to say, but I think mostly I just want to say, um that cancer is a rich opportunity to to get to know yourself in ways that maybe you have not ever taken the time to do and to identify you know to to for some people it's really a bold thing to try to find meaning of their cancer and for me it's natural it's how I've it's how I've lived my whole life um, but it's not natural for everybody it's scary for most people. It's wicked, it's scary and don't get me wrong. I've had many moments of feeling very, very scared. Um, but making meaning of your cancer journey lets you be in the driver's seat. It lets you decide how you're gonna understand and and live your life. and And that kind of agency and empowerment is necessary when you're faced with something that can be so overwhelming.
0: That's such a powerful way to put it. Um, and I love what you said about how cancer is a rich opportunity to get to know yourself. Um, and I think that, that that's the gift, right? It's not it's not the having the cancer. It's not the losing your vision. It's not having to deal with all the treatments and the, the doctor's appointments. It's not all of those things. That's not the gift. The gift is the presence. The gift is the desire to make the meaning of your life, the desire to be here and the and the cherishing of the life that you currently have. Um, mm-hmm. so I love, love everything that you've said. Thank you so much for being here, Eve. Um, and I would say, let's give you a round of applause, but we're going to have to do a silent, silent claps for all of, all of the things that you just shared and, uh, the insights and we would love to have you come back and uh, maybe we can get you back on the podcast for like mental health awareness month coming up. Totally. Um, and I'm happy to do like a Q and a, cause I, you know, yes. and as far as, you know, as far as that goes, if people do have questions, um, please keep those in mind and go ahead and drop them in the chat or the Q and A boxes. And I will I will give you like me, eh, if you're gonna type a question, we've got about two or three minutes. So um, if you have questions, please make sure to share those. Linda says, thank you, Eve. Um, but yes, we, we are going to be covering in the next session, just different therapy modalities as well as radical acceptance with Ali, who is also a patient and a psychologist. Um, and so we're very excited for this next session. And I love how you just, I mean, you just like segued into it. You're just like, you know, there's so many different opportunities for therapy and everything, everything is going to be different and unique for each person. And it's just the perfect, the perfect shift into our next session. So like, I didn't even do that. you just did that. That was great. (laughs) I do have a question. Um, you mentioned the, the book. Can you just say the book that you read again and the author's name?
1: Oh uh sure Anita Morjani M O O R J A N I and she wrote a book Dying to Be Me about her experience um uh a near death experience they call them N D E S mm-hmm. um and how she came back from the edge of death um it, it, it's I hung on every word and then she's since written several other books um so yeah well, I love that. And books
0: are, you know, just having those books, we'll make sure that we include those kind of in the after notes of, of this session. Uh, but just having those options as resources. Uh, another book that I really liked that you mentioned, you mentioned when you first got your metastatic diagnosis, that it, it kind of became this, this journey of looking, looking for evidence, right. That you go looking for, or you have the opportunity, you have the opportunity to go looking for evidence of why this is really bad or how you can, make meaning of it how you can survive how you can get through this how you can weather it um, and one of my favorite books for that is oh Radical Remission by Kelly A. Turner oh Radical yes Remission yes is also such a good one
1: oh and Radical <laughs> Hope another one Radical <laughs> Hope I haven't read that one oh Radical Hope's great and and what's so funny about Radical Hope is that like you know I didn't get that book until like four or five months into my metastatic diagnosis and I was like, I've already done like nine out of the 11 that are listed here. I was like, how did I know how to do that? <laughs> yes, No, isn't that so funny though? Yeah. Um, I but think yes, she gets both of those right. books. Yeah. Kelly, Kelly
0: Turner. She was, I want to, I want to say, wasn't she a, an oncology nurse and she just started really paying attention in her office to all the patients who were told they had a terminal terminal diagnosis. They were basically sent home, you know, go, go get on hospice treatment options are, are gone. They, they had yeah. a very slim chance of survival. And she started searching out those stories of people who defied the odds, like literally defied all reason, all logic, all science, and they defied the odds. And it just is this nonstop. I mean, I imagine radical hope is the same. It's just this nonstop report of all of these opportunities that people had to, ultimately choose between, you know, are they going to stop trying? Are they going to stop living? Or are they just going to choose to live fully till the end? And, and somehow, you know, miraculously, crazily, inexplicably, but also she really backs how she thinks it's possible. um, Mm. These patients survived. And she, so she just shares her study of that. And it's such a powerful book, whether or not you choose to do all of these nine practices that she encourages in
1: the book, it's such a powerful book. Yeah. well radical hope she she's identified the tenth thing which is exercise oh. exercise, and I'm like, exercise like physical exercise. exercise like move your body like get yeah, your heart yeah. rate up like move mm-hmm. your blood around yeah. um yeah um, walking strength training yeah. I, I mean it's exercises it's kind of like therapy it's different for everybody <laughs> yeah hiking mountains doing housework vigorously to Lizzo. You know that also works. It's um, <laughs> true. Music, all all the music, dance, dance away. One thing I do want to say, actually, is that, um, especially for those of us uh, raised, socialized female, um, it's very easy to, you know, part of, part of, part of the female experience or female, feminine, toxic, toxic, toxic femininity, is that like we're somehow responsible for everything. Um, And I call it like female Tourette's, like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Anyway, I digress. But what I'm saying is that it's if if you're raised female, or or maybe if you're not, um, and you're inclined to think, oh, I have to do all of this healing right, or I'm going to die. There's no right way to do healing. And you can do all the things that you're supposed to do by eating this food and doing that medicine. And you can do all the stuff and you can still die. And it doesn't mean it's your fault. It doesn't mean you caused it. It doesn't mean you manifested it. Right. And, and there's, and, and, be, and, and really whatever you can't figure out on a human level, you'll figure it out on a soul level. So don't judge yourself at all for doing it right or not doing it right.
0: That is such such a good point. Um, this is just a comment and also a question. Uh, it just says Eve, so many incredible insights. I have a deep gratitude for what you're sharing. As a social worker, have you had times when it's difficult to utilize the skills that you share with others, like to utilize them for yourself? I think is what she's saying.
1: Yes, hundred percent. I mean, you know the the challenge of of having what I call the red cape syndrome, <laughs> which is you know. Uh, I'm compelled to be in service to others and to help other people. And sometimes we're compelled because of our own stories and our own traumas and our own this and that. And Mm -hmm. we were caretakers in our family of origin. Um, And so we're more inclined to have difficulty to give to ourselves and we're more comfortable giving to other people. And that's for me, the the gift of my cancer diagnosis was it was like 100% permission, Eve, time to heal yourself, honey. And it's not like I hadn't done tons of therapeutic and healing work before I metastasized. But this was the kind of permission that I had not yet been able to give myself, like unilateral, without question, permission to focus on myself, my health, my kid, and my writing. And and, and really when it comes down to it, those are the three most important things to me. So- That's so powerful. Um, yeah well Eve thank
0: you so much um you guys if you do have further questions for Eve please don't hesitate to put those in the chat or in the next session uh, we are going to jump over to the next session for the sake of time so we're going to go ahead and say goodbye to Eve and thank you again and we will see you guys in the next session
1: wonderful bye mm-hmm. thank you thank you so
0: much for joining us today on the I Believe podcast brought to you by Castle Biosciences Please be sure to subscribe, and if you're so inclined, send this episode over to friends, family, and share on your social media to help spread awareness around OM. If you have a moment, leave us a brief review or consider making a donation to the links in the show notes to keep our podcast going. Feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Acure Insight. We'll see you next time on the I Believe podcast.